Early Christianity's greatest missionary and theologian was a tent maker from Tarsus, the Apostle Paul. You know, he ended up traveling all over the Mediterranean world and did a lot to spread that little beginning faith. And today we're going to follow the footsteps of Paul like a lot of tourists do. I'm joined by Tan Iran, who's a tour guide from Turkey, and Tim Frakes, who produces uh, TV shows about church history and so on for the Lutheran Church. Tim Frakes, thanks for joining us. Great to be here, Rick. And Tan Iran, welcome to our great, studio. From great Turkey. to be here. Uh, Tim Frakes, what, what's the importance of the Apostle Paul, and why are there so many uh, tourist pilgrims checking out the footsteps of Paul? Well, I mean, Paul authors a large percentage of the New Testament. He's a central figure in the whole Christian story. I think Christians are interested in Paul, maybe because he's the road less traveled. A lot of people don't know that uh, Paul was from Turkey, and Turkey is not a place that is real high on the list for a lot of Americans. They go to other places in the so-called Holy Lands, but uh, um, Turkey's kind of undiscovered country. And this was quite instrumental in the very early days of Christianity, where Paul would go out and, and establish little churches and communities all over Asia Minor then. He was quite the traveler and uh, went all over that region and started these churches in communities that were sort of out of the uh, Judeo circle with what the New Testament calls uh, Gentiles. So Paul came, people don't know exactly, but most people figure he never met Jesus. He was sort of the next generation after Jesus, and he took this little religion that was percolating in uh, the Holy Land and took it as far away as Rome. He did, what, five missionary journeys? They say he traveled 13,000 miles Uh, on these trips uh, long before the age of train passes and rental cars. I mean, that's a lot of walking and a lot of sailing. We've got to remember that was during the Roman Empire, and this is when the word Rome meant the civilized world, not the city of Rome, but everybody that spoke Greek or Latin was part of Rome. And Paul was there moving around, uh, spreading this gospel. How many books did Paul actually write? You know, that's a a really uh, loaded question. Scholars debate back and forth. But, um, you know, we're pretty sure about uh, one of the letters that uh, Paul wrote, Galatians because he writes back to the churches that he starts in Turkey. Um, so we have Galatians, we have First and Second Corinthians. There's some debate about whether Paul wrote Ephesians or whether some of his friends or some of his students wrote Ephesians. Uh, Romans, of course, he wrote that. Okay, so Paul or his guys traveled to the little churches in Corinth, Rome, Galatia, Ephesus, and then he wrote the books to those people, to the Thessalonians, to the Ephesians, to the Galatians, to the Corinthians? These books that he wrote, so-called books, they're really letters. They're letters that Paul writes to the friends that he made as he traveled. And he would write these letters to these little churches, and then they would share those letters with other groups of Christians in the empire. And they would kind of go around and around, and pretty soon, after a few uh, hundred years, they got put into a collection that we call the New Testament. So these were giving the little churches direction and inspiration and encouragement. And today, Christians who care about the New Testament are excited to go follow the footsteps of Paul. Ton Aran, you're a tour guide. You take groups around to visit these sites. Yeah. Tell us what the highlights of a tour, which would be called the footsteps of Paul, would be. That would be Ephesus. Ephesus. Yeah. Paul had been to Ephesus for a couple of times in two missionary journeys, the second one and the third one. And uh, he actually lived in Ephesus for over a couple of years. That's when the riot took place, uh, the silversmith. So now, during Paul's time, Ephesus was a very important city, what, a quarter of a million people, one of the biggest cities in the Roman Empire? Well, Paul was uh, Saul of Tarsus, so he was a Roman citizen, so his activities were tolerated to an extent. And uh, that's the reason he, he could openly spread his word. How did he cause a problem in Ephesus? What was the dynamic there? 
he was lecturing uh, communities, church communities outside of Ephesus in the ghettos of the town, um, ex-Jews basically. But the point is, uh, he had people he knew in the city administration. He wanted to be uh, open, as open as he could in spreading the word of God. And his friends helped him organize a talk, a speech at the theater, which was uh, on the will of every Roman citizen, free Roman citizen. So he was a Roman citizen. He could do that. And people uh, gathered, not knowing what the lecture was all about. And uh, this is when the riot broke out. And uh, a silversmith actually started shouting, great is Diana of Ephesus. And uh, this is how it all broke out. So Paul was saying, don't worship these little statuettes that the local artisans would make. And then the artisans thought, well, you're going to take our business away. So they got mad Well, anything that was related to Rome and Ephesus in that sense was about commerce. And Ephesus made its wealth, building statues of uh, gods and goddesses. Hmm. And uh, there were like uh, three temples dedicated to Roman emperors, the Roma, the Roman pantheon and the Roman gods at the same time. And uh, emperors were worshipped as well. Not good for business. You got some Christian missionary coming in saying no, you don't Paul need to worship Paul was doing this. exactly what the Romans did not want. So now the theater you visited today, Ephesus is one of my favorite sites in the ancient world. Really, I just love Ephesus. And you've got this powerfully evocative theater that seats 25,000 people. Archaeologists can extrapolate how big an ancient city was by the capacity of the theater. They usually think that 10 times the population of the theater would be the reasonable guess on what the city was. So Ephesus Theater, 25,000. Therefore, they estimate the population of that city was 250,000 people. And Paul was there saying, you don't need to worship these goddesses. And people went crazy. And Paul was basically kicked out of town. Is that right, uh, Tim Frakes? He got kicked out of a lot of towns. He was a troublemaker. Seems like everywhere he went, somebody would get angry at him, or at least the book of Acts, which sort of chronicles Paul's journeys. Which, by the way, if you want the original guidebook on Paul, it's the book of Acts. Really? Uh, written by his friend uh, Luke, we think. It sort of documents his travels all across the Roman world. And yeah, he would get kicked out of towns left and right. Sometimes with just a uh, the bums rush, and sometimes he would be beaten and be in fear for his life. Now, Tim, uh, Paul was good at meeting influential women and becoming friends with them and letting them be the anchor for the newly born church in that community, right? Well, we think that early Christianity, or primitive Christianity, if you can use that word, was largely a house church movement, and women often led these house churches. So uh, Paul would, as in the case of Lydia in the city of Philippi, um, he meets this woman, Lydia, who is a seller of purple. She was a uh, in the textile business, and it's likely that uh, Lydia sort of financed the house church operation in that part of Greece, and then probably went on later to finance some of his travels later on. So yeah, women played an important role. Now, Paul also went to Corinth, right? And I understand Corinth was sort of a center of hedonism? Yeah, the big party town. And of course, Paul has all kinds of troubles because he starts a church in Corinth, and then he leaves, and he writes these letters, first and second Corinthians, back to the church in Corinth, because they're having huge problems, because they're trying to be pious and And they're competing upright. with Aphrodite, right? <laughs> Aphrodite and, uh, and a lot of sailors, you know, who would, <laughs> who would use Corinth as a, as a port. By the way, I enjoyed hosting a video production that Tim made for the Lutheran Church called The Footsteps of Paul. We uh, had a chance to go to some of these beautiful spots. And for a look at Tim's other productions, you can go to his website, frakesproductions.com, F-R-A-K-E-S, productions.com. And Tan Aran is with us from Istanbul. His website is srmtravel.com. We have Gail on the phone from Harwood Heights, Illinois. Gail, thanks for your call. Thank you. Nice talking to you. Thank you. Have you been on a tour of the footsteps of Paul? Yes, I was in November. 
And what were the highlights? Oh, the entire trip was just fantastic. But uh, particularly with St. Paul, uh, we went with a Catholic church group, and we visited the House of the Virgin Mary. And Ephesus was absolutely fantastic also. So tell me the, just briefly, what was the route you took as it related to St. Paul? Uh, the route of the trip was Istanbul, Ankara, Cappadocia, Pamukkale, Ephesus, Izmir, Pergamum, and Canakali. Canakali. And most of those cities were of historic, but not specifically to Paul. Is that right? Specifically, Correct. Paul was Ephesus, as Ton said earlier. Start, right. The route actually starts from Antioch, uh, being the early church community. Uh, Antioch is a very important place to start that. In the ghettos, actually, Peter founded this early church community, and this is where everything originated from. And Paul is from Tarsus. Tarsus is, is an important spot for that. These are all in the eastern Mediterranean coastline of Turkey. So if you start from, uh, say, Antioch, That's Antakya today. Antakya today on the Syrian border, over Tarsus, you can go to uh, Antalya, and along the route, you can see Anamorium, you can see Seleucia, and Atalia, and Perge. Uh, that's where Paul actually left for Cyprus. And Konya, is that on the um, Konya, I wouldn't take it as, as a highlight. Uh, it will take two days to go to Konya via Lystra and come back. And uh, you could skip that part and go straight to, uh, say, Pamukkale, which is Hierapolis. And uh, you may be seeing Laodicea, which is one of the seven churches of Revelation. That's an important spot because there are not very many locations. You can see the actual remains of the first century A.D. And Laodicea is one of the places. That's where you see the uh, water pipe bringing the water to the city. And that's the lukewarm water mentioned in, uh, in the Bible. And that's okay. where you see it, physically see it. Now, Gail, when you did your trip, where did you get the feeling of biblical times the most, or the times of Paul the most? Uh, probably in Ephesus. In Ephesus, because you went to the theater and they told you the story there about the riots? Yes. Hey, Tim, when you did your production for uh, The Footsteps of Paul, where did you feel like you could actually go back in time? Well, that question is one of the reasons why I thought Turkey was so great. When you travel to the traditional Holy Land sites, Jerusalem and so forth, in, in Israel and the occupied territories, centuries of Christians have built churches on top of churches on top of churches, so the original footprint is long gone in many cases. But eastern Turkey, um, Christianity has not had much of a footprint for the last thousand years. So you really get a feel for what it was like for Paul to walk around and to try to climb over mountains and to ford rivers and so on. It's, it's, um, I thought uh, Antakya was very moving, the cave church of St. Peter, where the legend says that Luke, who writes the book of Acts, donated property to the Christians and they started one of the first Christian communities in Antakya. And then Paul and his story figure in pretty importantly as sort of a base camp for the early church. So this is uh, a little bit confusing because there's modern names and biblical names. Antakya is a great Turkish city today. The biblical town was Antioch. Antioch. Uh, Konya is a very important city in Muslim faith. In biblical times, it was Iconium. And uh, you've got a number of cases when you're thinking of one city because of what you learned in Sunday school, and then it has a modern name today. Tim, when you think about looking for little evidence of what it was like when Paul walked and wrote and so on, you can go to those black, um, black tents, right? Absolutely, yeah. Paul was a tent maker. That's how he made a living. He was sort of bivocational, an evangelist on one hand and a tent maker on another. And in eastern Turkey and rural Turkey, many people still make their living herding goats and making uh, tents out of goat skin. And you can 
actually visit with folks and spend some time in their tents, drink some tea or coffee, and feel what it was like to uh, to walk literally in the footsteps of Paul. So perhaps if you want to walk in the footsteps of Paul, rather than going to Antakya and looking at a modern building that stands on what might have been a synagogue where he preached, you could go into the countryside and meet a shepherd and sit in the shade under his black goat skin tent. That's that's what's fun for me. Tan, what is your advice in that regard? Yeah, on the Taurus Mountains, you find nomad families, and uh, they're doing exactly the same. Uh, Living no, today, no, with even those to, black skin Even tents. today. They're semi-nomads today. They're not living the lifestyle of the past, but uh, they still have the black goat hair tent. David's on the line in Chowchilla, California. David, thanks for your call. Well, thank you for taking it. I had a question about the security in that part of the world today. I spent two and a half months there 15 years ago, and I was just wondering how safe people feel in that part of the world today. Tim Frakes, you traveled all over the Middle East filming this uh, special on the footsteps of Paul with your camera gear, and I believe for much of that trip you were just on your own. Did you feel safe? Never at any moment did I, did I have my security threatened anywhere in the Middle East. It's been a wonderful experience with no thoughts for my safety, other than just traveling smart and behaving like you would if you were on the streets of Chicago, uh, which might be less safe than Turkey. <laughs> I would imagine. Tan, you take groups around. Are there any safety uh, considerations that None. you... So Turkey might seem a little bit uh, scary when you read the news and you, you think about different conflicts, but you're going to have uh, demonstrations in the streets in Europe as they deal with tight economic times, like we have these riots lately in Athens. But as far as an American tourist who's using good common sense traveling uh, around the countryside of Turkey, uh, I've found that it's quite safe also. Well, that's really gratifying. Now, David, you've actually toured the footsteps of Paul. What were highlights for you? Well, you know, I didn't set out just to do that. I went pretty much all over Greece, and I've documented it in a, a paperback that I've recently published that is called uh, Oedipus on a Pale Horse. You can actually find it on Amazon.com now. But um, I went to so many places where Paul was. First of all, I was in Athens. I was in Corinth. And along the western coast of Turkey, where all the Greek islands are, Paul did some island hopping there, and, you know, you were talking about the religious experience. And there was no place I felt so intrigued by it as I did just around in that, that whole area. I spent nine days on Patmos, and I actually got sort of stranded there because it was the middle of November, and the sea wasn't right for the ferries, so... I was there where St. John was exiled, and from there I went to Ephesus where St. Paul was. Now, St. John, Tim Frakes, St. John, he wrote Revelation in Patmos, is that right? That's what the text says, yeah. Now, that's an exciting place to visit. Well, yeah, it is really an exciting place, and you can go see the cave where he's supposed to have actually got the words uh, from God there. It's a marvelous place. It closes for the winter, and I was there actually on the last day that it was open, and I was the only one there. And they, wow. I, I had my own private tour. They took me down, let me take pictures inside the Cave of the Apocalypse, and it was just a marvelous experience. Patmos is, that's another apostle, so we're not going to be talking about that now. That was John, but uh, what a great visit right. to go to Patmos. David, thanks for your call. Well, thank you. Yeah.
Tim Frakes, I was with you in Athens as we were working on the Footsteps of Paul video, and I just was very impressed by that rock, that slippery rock that stands just across from the Acropolis called Mars Hill. Why are there so many Christian travelers and pilgrims on Mars Hill? Well, Paul is on one of his missionary journeys, and he's trying to uh, convince the uh, educated elite of Athens that uh, this Jesus of Nazareth is um, somebody that they should be interested in. So he preaches a famous sermon that's recorded in the book of Acts on Mars Hill. And so he kind of uh, has a a theological fencing match with the uh, Greek elite there on Mars Hill. So you can climb up there today, and uh, there's really not much. It's just sort of a barren rock, but what a great vista of ancient Athens. And you can see the Acropolis and um, really feel like you're standing in the footsteps of Paul. And you think there about the durable determination of this hard-hitting traveling missionary that that really failed in Athens, right? Well, yeah, they kind of made fun of him, you know. And if you read the book of Acts, you can sort of parse that out of the text that, uh, you know, he did really well in some rural areas and in Corinth and so on. But in Athens, they kind of uh, patted him on the head and said, well, that's okay, Paul, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll just stick with what we're doing right now. Mike's on the line in Harvard, New York. Mike, thanks for your call. Yeah, how are you doing? Good. Do you have any thoughts for Tim and Ton and me about the footsteps of Paul? Well, where I had intersected with those footprints is uh, the island of Malta, which is a very interesting place in the Mediterranean uh, south of Sicily. Paul was shipwrecked there for three months and uh, converted the Maltese to Christianity. There's a number of churches there dedicated to him, the Shipwrecked Church of Valletta, which is the capital of Malta, and also uh, a beautiful cathedral in Indina, which is in the roughly the middle of the island. Malta's actually two islands, or a number of islands, but two large ones, Malta and Gozo. It's only 17 miles by 8 miles, so it's not a very large country. Very interesting place to visit. They speak English and lots of good history. Lots of history, going back to Paul and Crusader times and oh. early church. Far back than that, to the earliest standing structures known are Amazing. There, uh, going back thousands on thousands of years. Well, and, and Paul doesn't go to uh, Malta willingly. His, his sort of island hopping happens towards the end of his career when he's arrested in uh, Jerusalem, and he appeals to Caesar, and he goes on this long sea voyage under Roman house arrest, and they, they take him, and the book of Acts records all these little islands that they hit, and Malta is, is one of those. He was shipwrecked there, apparently. Right. And, of course, Paul eventually ends up in Rome, and he's eventually executed, right? And as a Roman citizen, he's executed uh, respectably by sword. Consequently, today when we travel, whenever we see one of the apostles in a big statue or in some sort of fresco, if the guy has a big sword, he's probably Paul. Is that right, Tim? That's right. Paul with the sword and Peter with the key. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We've been following the footsteps of Paul with Tan Aran and Tim Frakes. Tan, when you take your groups around to trace the footsteps of Paul, what is one image that you like to leave people with for sure? That's in the Ephesus Theater. I would tell my people to uh, imagine how it feels like being there at the stage, 25,000 people cheering and uh, not necessarily in your behalf. And their their animosity, you know, I, I would... Take them there to the stage and uh, make them feel it. So and that'd be, be, that'd be it. Feel like that'd Paul be, being run be out it. of town by 25,000 angry Ephesians. Tim, what's your image that you'd leave people with if they wanted to really appreciate the footsteps of Paul? Oh, man, that would be the, uh, the rock churches of Gokirt, which is the biblical Lystra. And visiting there on a, 
on a windswept hill in the middle of winter, and some local uh, Gokirk residents, uh, Turkish goat herders, dropped what they were doing and gave me a tour of their rock churches, didn't ever ask for a thing, and uh, the memory I have is of, of those wonderful people I met in that fantastic, interesting place. Now, that would be Gokyurt, the modern-day town of G-O-K-Y-U-R-T, the biblical Lystra, L-Y-S-T-R-A. That's right, about 50 clicks uh, west of uh, Konya. So two great aspects of the footsteps of Paul, the wonderful ancient sites and the opportunity to connect with today's culture in villages that have changed little since the time Paul walked and spread his faith. Tim Frakes, Tanaran, thank you very much for joining us, and uh, best wishes with your uh, further teaching and tour guiding. Thank you. Thank you. Rick Steves has spent a third of his adult life in Europe, researching and writing guidebooks. His now classic Europe Through the Back Door teaches the skills of smart travel. At Rick Steves' online travel store, you'll also find guidebooks for Istanbul, Athens, and every other corner of Europe. To learn more about Rick's books, visit the travel store at ricksteves.com.